welcome, welcome, welcome back to They Made Their Way to the Ring. This is episode 5 and we're almost at the halfway point this season. This episode comes earlier than planned and off the back of the hot topic of last week's WWE releases and I'm honestly still shocked that this happened. I did plan this episode a little further down the line but things change and we're here now and all we can do is deliver these flowers and show some appreciation. Now last week we got the news that we'd been dreading but sadly new was coming when we saw WWE and UFC had agreed a deal to merge. So some notable names who were released last week were Aaliyah and Emma but the most confusing and shocking to me Dana Brooke. Now with a quick rundown I must say with Aaliyah's absence over the last year it didn't come as much of a surprise to me. She had been around since her NXT debut in 2016 but apart from her fastest win in WWE history where she pinned Natalia in 3.17 seconds and a short women's tag team championship run with Raquel Rodriguez she wasn't really given a platform or or many opportunities to, to do much else. Emma's release did come as a surprise to me. This is the third time Emma has been fired from WWE. The second time due to the old favourite excuse, budget cuts. Emma was brought back during Triple H's takeover in 2022. She came in strong and she looked well with a showing against Ronda Rousey in an open challenge for the now-retired SmackDown Women's Championship. I think she had like 11 TV matches since her return and won one of those bouts where she defeated Roxanne Perez on main event. Emma also did appear at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view earlier this year, her first ever Royal Rumble match, and we got a brief reunion of Emma and Dana Brooke from the NXT days. So, episode 5 is getting ready to flex. I'm introducing a WWE diva turned superstar turned main event queen. This woman has performed on all three brands. She ranked at number 26 in the top 50 PWI wrestling list in 2016. She's won the 24-7 championship a massive 15 times and has performed in all six women's Royal Rumble matches, something she shares with only three other performers. She's been the muscle, she's been the Barbie, she's been the mother of NXT and now she's a free agent ready to shine in any other wrestling promotion. Making her way to the ring from Cleveland, Ohio, Dana Brooke. Now, I'm going to start this episode a little bit differently to normal. I'm going to talk for a minute about me and my relationship with wrestling. I mentioned in an earlier podcast, I've been watching wrestling now for, for some 25 years, mostly women's wrestling, to be honest. And it hasn't been until recent years that I had openly admitted it. I always felt some sort of maybe like a shyness or a shame that at my age, I still had a passion for women's wrestling. Now, it wasn't until I had some sound advice that I realized how true these words were. And the advice was, you get one shot at life. Don't live for others. Live every day the way you want to live it and do the things that put a smile on your face. So, I slowly started dropping my passion for wrestling into conversation with people and eventually I would proudly share clips of matches, backstage moments, pay-per-views and there was one person that I always chose to boast about and that was Dana Brooke. 
I would say, you know, look at these cartwheel splashes. Look at that Swanton Bomb gleaming. She was the package. Her promo with Ronda Rousey was a moment I shared widely. Then four years on, I decided to make use of my passion. I knew I loved women's wrestling and I sure as hell liked to talk about it. So I thought, why not combine the two? I'd listened to many women's wrestling podcasts at the gym and in my spare time, you know, from hosts like wrestling star Taylor Wilde, the big names in the world of wrestling like Rene Paquette, Lillian Garcia, Vicky Guerrero, Chris Van Vliet. And then I discovered, you know, more like Go TV with wrestling world legends, Mickey James, Victoria and SoCal Val and busted open with hosts like Dave LaGreca and legends, you know, Mark Henry, Bully Ray, Tommy Dreamer. And I thought, I could do that. Okay, it's not going to be on the same scale, but I could do it. And so that's what I did. And here I am. This is episode number 16. And I really do say thank you, Dana. And thank you to these podcast hosts for helping me get the confidence to be able to create the content I bring you today. So the NXT women's division in 2015 was full of rising stars. We had Charlotte, Bailey, Sasha, Becky, Carmella, Alexa Bliss, and Emma, just to name a few. But in my eyes, there is always room for another star. On April the 1st, we got a vignette of a new diva coming to NXT. And that diva was Cleveland's own Dana Brooke. The video package showed Dana's workout at the gym, showing off her signature cartwheel. She said she chisels away at perfection every single day. Her body was sculpted the way she wanted it to be and that these results, they don't happen overnight. And what you see is what you get. Dana flexed hard and the package was done. She would debut in two weeks time. If you didn't know, along with fellow WWE star Alexa Bliss, Dana was also a competitor in the Arnold Classic bodybuilding competition in years gone by. And it really would show in her strong physique. The next week came by and another vignette was shown for Dana Brooke. She was debuting as a heel. That we could tell. She said she didn't. She couldn't help that she was beautiful. She said it wasn't her fault that she earned this jacked body and that she was a naturally gifted in-ring competitor. She claimed she was the total diva. April the 15th would arrive and so would Dana's debut. She would face blue pants. Dana made her way to the ring looking strong. She was a, a buff Barbie and her theme song, Respectful, was a bop. Blue Pants would make the first move on Dana with a couple of punches to the face, but Dana would take control for the majority of the match, showcasing her power, flexing those muscles and using her finisher, the Samoan driver, would go on to pick up the win. The following week, Dana would be interviewed about her NXT debut. Devin could barely ask the question before Dana took over. She declared her first match, it wasn't her debut. It was the birth, no, the rebirth of the NXT women's division. She said this was Dana's playground and playtime was over. On April the 29th, Dana got herself a big match. She faced off against Bailey. Dana came to the ring with an obvious confidence boost during her entrance. She looked comfortable. She looked ready to go. The crowd, for some reason, for the second week in a row, were behind Dana's opponent. She kept up with the arrogant flexing of her muscles and looked the true heel. I liked her heel moveset and she looked good in this match, but just as it seemed she wouldn't overcome the odds, Emma arrived at ringside to Bailey's theme song causing a distraction and Dana set Bailey up for the Samoan driver and got the one, two, three. This was the start of the faction of Emma and Dana Brooke. 
a takeover unstoppable on May the 20th, Dana would have a first pay-per-view match teaming with Emma against Bailey and Charlotte. In this match, I loved how the team came out to Dana's music because I remember thinking, you know, with two wins under a belt, her theme being played, this is a woman who will be NXT Women's Champion. How wrong I was. This match was a great building point for Emma and Dana as a team. I think creatively at this point, it was the right thing to do to have them lose the match because Dana just wasn't established enough yet. You know, she could have gone right after the title, but it would have been a loss and that would have been the end of the push for Dana Brooke. We've seen it, you know, many times before with many different women. They did right having Emma take the loss via pinfall as this didn't damage Dana too much. So over the coming weeks, Dana would keep Emma by her side and enter a feud with Charlotte, the top woman in NXT. This did lead to a match which Dana lost, but ultimately, whilst this was ongoing, the women's championship was at the centre of everything. Now, Dana's next big match came on the 26th of August taping of NXT. It would be a fatal four-way match, Emma versus Dana versus Becky versus Charlotte. The match saw some obvious teaming up from Emma and Dana, some one-on-one -on -one action from Charlotte and Becky, and then a breakdown of team playtime is over when they threw down. Emma would be the winner of the match, and it almost looked as if it was a surprise to her, the referee, and us. The reaction seemed very delayed, but still, a win is a win, and this marked Dana's first main event match. In September, Dana and Emma, wanting to make their mark and rule the NXT roost, would take issue with the newest signee on the block, Asuka. William Regal announced that Dana would face Asuka at NXT TakeOver Respect. I did still like the booking of Dana at this point. I liked the tag stuff, I liked the heel trash talking, but she could back it up in the ring, and that she, and that she did, until she met Asuka. The crowd chanted, you know, the usual... Asuka's gonna kill you, that kind of thing. A show of respect was slapped away by Dana at the at the start of the match. Asuka just seemed to have a counter for everything Dana could throw away. A giant slap from Dana turned Asuka into a deadly machine. Attack after attack, and finally, after some offense, Dana would tap out to the Asuka lock. NXT did run an angle a week later, showing after the match, Dana suffered a concussion injury. Asuka arrived and tapped Dana on the head with mock sympathy and had a stare down with Emma before leaving and this led to a match between the two but not before Dana thought she beat Asuka. She was convinced. A few weeks later Dana challenged Asuka to a rematch however it didn't go as planned. Dana made her entrance mask mic in hand and told Asuka in two seconds she was going to come down the ramp and smack that smile right off her face but then a hooded mystery attack hit Asuka from behind and it was none other than Emma. Asuka retaliated with a kick to Emma's face, but the tables turned. Emma locked in a submission move on Asuka, but no tap out came. She released the hold and they left her flat on the mat. Asuka versus Emma takeover London was one hell of a match. Check it out. You know the drill, $9.99 a month. I think this is one of the most underrated rivalries in NXT women's history. It got Asuka over, it helped the crowd really get to know and despise Dana and Emma as a team. And whether they get boos or cheers, they're doing the job and it's working. Dana's last appearance in NXT came as she was in Emma's corner for her TakeOver London rematch against Asuka on March the 23rd. Staying in 2016, May the 9th edition of Raw would come around and a familiar face returned to TV. 
Raw's newest signee and former NXT diva, Dana Brooke. It came in a, seg- in a segment where Becky Lynch was being interviewed by Renee Young a week after her defeat by Emma, where she cheated to win. Becky told Renee the next time the two of them step in the ring together, she's going to get an Irish last kick in. Emma emerged and said what a sorry excuse for losing a match. She advised Becky to get some eyes in the back of her head and a two-on-one attack ensued. Emma and Dana had reunited over on Raw and vowed to carry on with their tearing down of the women's division. Just three days later, Dana faced Becky in her debut main roster match, only this would be on SmackDown. And with a little help from her sidekick, she beat Becky Lynch. Dana looked good in this match, but still wasn't booked as the powerhouse she so obviously could have been. Emma with another thumb to the eye on Becky and Dana capitalised with a jackknife cover for the win. I think had the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships been around at this time, these two would have been all over it and rightly deserved. Sadly though, not long after this match, Emma suffered a legitimate injury and this would put an abrupt end to the pairing. But it wouldn't be an end to Brooke. I think it's worth mentioning at this point, Dana had some big wins over some big names already in her career. Bailey and Becky Lynch to name a couple. I think she had the look and the potential to be a new Beth Phoenix, but WWE, as always, dropped the ball. This abrupt disbanding due to injury wouldn't be the end for Brooke. Oh no, just weeks later, during a Raw Women's Championship match at Extreme Rules between Charlotte and the GOAT Natalia, Dana appeared mid-match dressed as the nature boy Ric Flair causing a huge distraction on the ring apron and Charlotte would blindside Natalia and lock in the figure eight for the win. This was a new direction for Dana. She remained the heel character we knew and loved but she aligned herself now with the champion. One of, if not the top diva in the company, being part of the biggest storyline in the Raw women's division. Brooke and Charlotte would begin feuding with Natalia and Becky just after Dana's victory over Natalia in a Raw debut match. It became a two-on-one attack after the bell when Charlotte joined a protege in the ring and Becky made the save. After Dana cost Charlotte her match against Paige, some cracks started to show. A rematch the week after ensured Charlotte picked up the win, but Sasha Banks came out to make it known she was coming for the champion and that she did. She beat Charlotte for the title on the 25th of July edition of Raw and of course Charlotte needed someone to blame. So, Who else would that be but Dana Brooke? Skipping to March the 13th, 2017 and Dana would turn face for the first time in her career where she was defeated by Sasha Banks. Sasha made quick work of Dana and picked up the win. Charlotte entered the ring with the mic and berated Dana in front of everyone. This would start the end of the protege storyline. Charlotte shouted Dana as a disgrace. She said she didn't deserve to be by her side. She asked Dana if she really thought she was going to ride her coattails to WrestleMania. She said she was finally getting rid of Dana and with that, Dana exploded. And finally, the crowd were behind her. Now, it's important to mention up until that point, the fans, they hadn't always supported Dana. But now she brought down a bigger heel than herself and the crowd were loving it. Brooke unloaded on Charlotte, she delivered a clothesline and some devastating blows. The fight actually looked real. They were like two women fighting over the last Christmas turkey in the supermarket. They went hard. Charlotte couldn't get away quick enough and the crowd popped hard for Dana. Applause could be heard around the arena and the Dana chance ensued. The next week, Brooke got her match with the Queen and lost. They really did her dirty once again. What was the payoff? 
What was the point in the storyline if there was no payoff at this point for Dana Brooke, the protege? Towards the end of 2017, Dana aligned herself with Titus Worldwide after refusing to take part in Emma's games once again. Sticking to a new face character, she began crunching numbers for the team, becoming a somewhat sexy mathematician. If maths could be sexy. In January 2018, Dana took part in the first ever all-women's Royal Rumble match in her first of six appearances. She eliminated Kyrie Sane, but would be eliminated herself by Hall of Famer Tori Wilson, lasting almost three minutes in the match. Dana got a first taste of the grandest stage at WrestleMania 34, where she took part in the Women's Battle Royal. Victory wouldn't be in her sights, as Mandy Rose eliminated her from the match, making her the second elimination just minutes after the bell rang to start the match. Dana at this point had great shape, still lots of potential, untapped potential. She had improved immensely in the ring and on the mic and I still think at this point she would have benefited from having a title run. But I guess nobody else would see it that way. I want to skip past Evolution, skip past the Royal Rumble of 2019, but I will say Brooke had a much more positive showing. Coming in at entrant number 22, lasting over 7 minutes before being eliminated by Rhea Ripley. But she didn't manage to get any eliminations in this rumble. I'm going to skip to one of the most raw and powerful promos in the women's division. March the 11th, 2019, Monday Night Raw. Let me set the scene. The baddest woman on the planet, Ronda Rousey is the Raw Women's Champion and she came to the ring to address what these bandwagon bitches thought. She tore down Becky, she tore down Charlotte and vowed to desecrate the fans' place of worship, Raw. Now, one woman took issue with this, Dana Brooke. She stood on the stage and said, enough, enough, Ronda. Brooke said she had nothing left to lose. She wouldn't let Ronda disrespect WWE, the WWE Universe or the women's locker room. She said she loved this business and has worked her tail off to prove that she belongs. Now, to put a pause on this, we could hear the emotion in this in this scene. It didn't feel scripted like most segments. Dana spro- spoke from the heart. She knew she wasn't a Becky or a Charlotte, but she was okay with that. She was just grateful to be where she was, to have a small platform, and I believe that. I believed every single word. Dana went on to say each week on Raw she fights for a chance but doesn't even get the time of day, let alone a match. Dana, fired up at this point, said she might not be on TV. She might not be a household name like Ronda, but all she wants is just a chance. She reminded Ronda it was the night after a pay-per-view, a night where typically the champ would hold an open challenge. She reminded the baddest woman on the planet that her name is Dana Brooke and she accepts. Then, Dana was destroyed. It wasn't even made an official match. Now, first of all, I honestly think that was one of the most true heart-on-their-sleeve promos in WWE history. I could feel Dana's pain through her words. It really inspired something in me to push harder for the things I want to do. This podcast, for one thing. I'm guessing some of you felt it too. I asked via a poll on X or Twitter, did Dana's promo feel the most real promo from a superstar? And 84% of you voted yes. Secondly, I can't understand why Dana wasn't built a serious competition. She had power and strength over many women on the roster. Her mic skills improved. Her in-ring work improved. So why? Why wasn't Dana used to her full potential? Did the crowd not connect? Was it creative? 
Who was to blame for Dana's stagnant career since moving to Raw? The following week, Dana received her first women's title opportunity, and once again, it was nothing more than a squash match. I get they were portraying Ronda as the biggest threat, but it did nothing for Dana's character going forward. She tapped with a near record time, and Ronda refused to let go of the hold, attacking officials once more. Now, one interesting little fact was Dana revealing that her shoot promo was inspired by Paul Heyman, and she was able to express her true feelings and frustrations, and that really shone through. The rest of 2019 saw Dana compete at the WrestleMania 35 Women's Battle Royal, the second one of its kind. Brooke eliminated two superstars during this match. She then competed in the 2019 Money in the Bank pay-per-view and began a feud with Sarah Logan of the Riot Squad over on main event. This mini-feud would start to see fans cheer for Dana. She would build up her support on the main event scene. Dana appeared in 16 matches on main event in 2019 with 8 losses, 7 wins and 1 match stopped due to injury where on the June the 20th, 20th edition of main event, Sarah Logan kneed Brooke in the back and she was forced headfirst into the ring post. The ref stopped the match due to a severe cut on Dana's eye and Brooke was left more than a little red-faced. My girl was cut bad. Sarah turned out to be Brooke's most common opponent on the 2019 main event scene even tagging with her on the odd occasion. Booking can make no sense. October 2019 would see Dana get drafted to SmackDown, her third brand in the company. This move would see her receive more opportunities and more TV time. On November the 8th, Brooke teamed with Carmella, defeating the team of Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville for the chance to qualify for the SmackDown team at Survivor Series. And qualify, they did. The pay-per-view didn't go SmackDown's way as they were eliminated by Team NXT. This was the first year it was a tri-branded match. We had seen a match before in 2007 featured Divas from Raw, SmackDown and ECW, but this was the first time it would be Raw vs SmackDown vs NXT. 2020, the Thunderdome era saw Dana beat Naomi during their mini-feud to qualify for a spot in the Women's Money in the Bank ladder match. And this match was fun. It was the first of its kind. The world was in the middle of a pandemic and was literally closing down. But not WWE, not wrestling. If anything, the promotion got bigger. It kept delivering banger after banger after banger after banger for the fans. The men's and women's Money in the Bank matches took place simultaneously. I'm sure I can't tell American and English apart. Simultaneously, simultaneously... Whatever it is, the match was amazing. It took place in WWE headquarters. Dana had a couple of funny spots. She grabbed a copycat briefcase in the briefing room, holding it high above her head in awe. And then Stephanie McMahon appeared, informing Dana that that wasn't the real briefcase. Oh no, the real briefcase was on the roof. Then Carmella appeared and smashed a picture of herself holding Frankie, the OG briefcase, over Dana's head. She then had a funny spot slipping on her back on a wet floor. Dana delivered some great comedy spots. However, she failed to capture the briefcase, the real briefcase. Brooke and Carmella teamed again to chase down the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships later that month, but they lost to champions Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. Dana's momentum became non-existent in 2020 on the main event program. After her impressive and obvious growth in 2019, Brooke didn't get booked in one match in 2020. Did anyone else see the pattern here? There was a definite trend we could spot. Dana just seemed to she seemed to climb that mountain and just get knocked right back down again. Her career was so stop to stop start.
In September 2020, the 28th to be precise, Dana was drafted back to Monday Night Raw. She was kept on the tag team track she'd been riding with Carmella on SmackDown, only now she had a new partner on the red brand, Mandy Rose. Adam Pearce announced them as Raw's newest members and they jumped straight into action against Natalia and Lana. Now, I did like this team, however, it did feel an awful lot like it became Mandy Night Raw. The blonde team had a series of matches, even challenging tag champs Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, but were unsuccessful. Mandy suffered an injury, which resulted in the pair being pulled for the 2020 Survivor Series program, and to write Dana out of the story too, they ran an angle where Reckoning, yes, the terrible name and character Reckoning, also known as Mia Yim, attacked Brooke, which set up a mini-feud between the pair and Reckoning's leader Mustafa Ali. WrestleMania 37 came around and Mandy and Dana were still chasing the women's tag team titles. They were involved in, tag in the tag team turmoil match on night one, with the winner earning a women's tag team championship match on night two. The teams were Lana and Naomi, Billy Kay and Carmella, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke, Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan, and Natalia and Tamina. The buff blonde Barbies came up short with Dana being pinned by a roll-up from Liv Morgan for the three count. Now, something I simply can't ignore to mention, we can't just skim over this, was the infamous entrance by Mandy and Dana. Mandy slipped on the ramp and man, she went down. I don't know what was more funny, the fact that she slipped and fell, or the fact that Dana hadn't even noticed and carried on with her now solo entrance. Mandy brushed it off like a champ and I think if it was me, I would have gone back up the ramp and headed for catering because cake fixes everything, right? Now, jump into November 2021, the start of Brooke eventually holding the gold. On the 22nd of November, Dana didn't only pin a male superstar, but she pinned a male superstar who held a championship, securing herself her first championship, her first taste of gold. A championship that only a handful of women had held before her. Names like former diva and first female holder of the 24-7 title, Kelly Kelly, Candice Michelle, Alundra Blaze, the first pregnant champion, Maria Canellis, Carmella, Tamina, and Alicia Fox. Dana Brooke became the 154th title change holder. Dana was obviously glowing during this time. She knew, I knew, we all knew this was her time to shine and she sure as hell would make the most of being a champion because, as the 24-7 title goes, and Alundra Blaze said, she won't be champ for very long. The next week, Dana took part in a 10-woman tag team match as part of the ongoing feud between Becky Lynch and Liv Morgan. Dana would be on the winning side. Things were looking up. This would be Dana's first successful face turn that would take off. The crowd popped hard for her and it would only grow as time went on. She held her first 24-7 title for 84 days. February the 22nd came around sorry february 22 came around and dana's 84 day title reign was up reggie pinned dana for the title on february the 14th at a restaurant setting after he saved dana from an attack he then tried to suggest a more than friends future for the pair but dana wasn't interested as so he pinned her one two three remember guys any superstar anytime any place anywhere Dana would become a two-time champion the next week on Raw when Reggie invited her to the ring to accept his apology. He promised he would allow her the cover and the title win. A couple of times he counted out of the cover. Dana, with obvious frustration, laid the lips on Reggie whilst he was down on the mat and she got the three count. 
I have to say, this title and these segments were made for Brooke. She absolutely killed it. The crowd loved it. I used to go wild. Dana was meant to hold the gold. It took so long to get there, but it was so worth the wait. Dana's next title run was 56 days before Reggie would be the thorn in her side and pin her once again. The next couple of weeks would see Dana and Reggie enter a mixed tag feud with Tamina and Akira Tozawa, who were also chasing that gold. March the 28th saw both couples become engaged. Yep, you heard right, engaged. Somebody called Jerry Springer back to Raw. It just shows the creators can run wild with stories, but it can work. April the 18th came around and WWE ran a hilarious angle with R-Truth officiating a wedding between Dana and Reggie and Tamina and Akira. Tamina then swapped partners during objections, not once, but twice, ending up as Dana and Tamina to marry. Before it could get going, chaos erupted and we had Reggie pin Dana. And no! Then Tamina pinned Reggie. And no! Then Akira pinned Tamina. And no! Then one more for the record, Dana with a body splash off the top rope, pins Akira. And no! Three-time 24-7 champion, Dana Brooke! This reign lasted two weeks. Dana would lose, but again regained the title a further 12 times, becoming the first and only female to become a 15-time 24-7 champion. On November the 7th, almost after a year after she began her first reign, the 15-time 24-7 champion Dana Brooke put her title on the line against crazy Nikki Cross with damage control in her corner. Dana came to the ring full of confidence. She was shining. She was smiling. She was ready to go because after all, Dana does it 24-7. The match was relatively short. Nikki hit a neckbreaker off the top rope for the win, becoming an 11-time champion herself. Later that night, Nikki retired the 24-7 title by dumping it in the bin or the trash can for all you Americans listening. She performed a replica of Alundra Blaze's trash can moment with the WWF Women's Championship in 1995. Dana had TV time almost every week on Raw. She was either winning, losing, defending a title or running from an enemy and it was TV gold. When I think of the 24-7 title, I think of Dana Brooke. She made it iconic. She brought comedy and delivered the entertainment on a huge scale. Dana's momentum would shift up 10 notches when she would become the main event queen this year, where she racked up an impressive 12 matches against competitors such as NXT talent Electra Lopez, Zoe Stark and Indy Hartwell. She had 6 wins and 6 losses. Every time she came to the ring, the crowd went wild. So what went wrong in NXT? Because main event fast became the Dana Brooke show. Skipping to May 2023, and many of us thought Dana had been lost in the shuffle again after a painful defeat at the hands of women's world champion Rhea Ripley on Raw. Dana not only suffered a loss to the champ, but a brutal attack after the match, only for the veteran Natalia to storm the ring and make the save. But come June the 6th, the NXT Universe will be treated to a number one contender women's battle royal, with the winner earning the chance to face Tiffany Stratton for the NXT Women's Championship. Dana was shown on a video package earlier that day. She declared her return to NXT and stated if anyone was going to face Tiffany, it would be her. She said she'd heard a lot of buzz going around and the place was full of opportunity, but she would make her own when she was the last woman standing. 
Dana came with a popular face persona and a new gear and she killed it. She survived until the final three with Thea Hale eliminating Dana and Cora Jade to pick up the win. The following week, Dana was inserted immediately into a feud with Cora and her NXT push looked to be solid, promising even. At NXT Gold Rush, just three weeks into her return, Dana had a pay-per-view match. The match was against Cora, but due to referee stoppage, Dana didn't pick up the win. Following on from this angle, at Gold Rush Week 2, Dana was approached by fellow gymnast and NXT newcomer Kalani Jordan. From here, the two would become a popular tag team. One week on, and Dana would accompany Kalani to the ring for a debut match. Kalani would get the victory, but the celebration was put on hold when Cora came to the ring. The feud between the pair became stronger after she threw some shade Brooks' way. By July the 25th, Dana and Cora would go one-on-one -on -one in a kendo stick match. This was one of Dana's best matches to date. She took risks, she left it all in the ring. She ended the match and the feud with a swanton bomb to Cora who was snap suplexed onto a stack of kendo sticks laid across a steel chair. And this definitely ensured Dana the three count. From August, Dana would begin somewhat of a heel turn. She told Kalani she enjoyed a brutal match, that she found a killer instinct and she should do the same. The next week, Kalani took on Blair Davenport and lost. Dana didn't take this lightly. With a belt in hand, she entered the ring and went after Blair. Kalani tried to get Dana to calm down but nearly ended up being attacked herself. August the 15th edition of NXT saw Dana take on Blair after her attempted attack the previous week. Dana lost this matchup and was seen looking disgusted at the comfort shown by Kalani. Heel Dana was coming home. Now, earlier this month, NXT teased a match between Dana Brooke and Lyra Valkyria. And two weeks back, we got that match. The chemistry was there and the crowd were left wanting more. This match would mark Dana coming full circle, taking it right back to where she began in 2015. Heel Dana. I think the crowd seemed to welcome a return in 2023. Then it fell flat, but I think Dana's heel turn was starting to get people onside. And then came the news. Dana Brooke was released. For me, Dana was a beacon, a beacon of hope, a relatable 10-year veteran of WWE, a true underdog. Someone who always took the time to interact with her fans on social media. Someone whose work ethic, respect, dedication and passion shone through in her performance. I speak from the heart when I say thank you, Dana Brooke. But... What's next? I'd like to see her debut in Impact. I mean, look, she could go to AEW. It's a fresh crop of talent. A lot of stars have left WWE and gone to AEW to become just that, a star. Names like Ty Mello, Tony Storm, Ruby Soho, Athena, the Ring of Honor Women's Champion, but most importantly, Soraya. She was told never again could she wrestle while under WWE's management. She's gone to AEW with nothing to lose. They cleared her and within one year is the AEW Women's World Champion. But look at Impact. I think it's a place Dana wouldn't have to reinvent herself. I can see her character now. Whether she's face or heel, I can just see she's going to get over. I mean, Gail Kim, a former WWE diva, she wasn't used to her fullest potential. She went to TNA and literally created the women's division. Another huge name, Mickey James, absolute legend. She was misused in a second WWE run, went back to Impact and exploded on the scene. Now, a 10-time Women's World Champion. Other names like Emma, you know, Tennille Dashwood, The Iconics or Inspiration, they all made waves. Trinity, now the Knockouts World Champion. 
So the platform is there for Dana. I just hope she can go to one of these companies and thrive like she did when she had the 24-7 title. She's got a chance. You know, this isn't the end of the road. Could we see a tag team revival for Dana and Mandy Rose or Dana and Emma in Impact? Could we see Dana mix it up with the outcasts in AEW? I've said it before and I'll say it again. Get me on creative. I've got the ideas, but how do I apply? Dana deserves her flowers. She created havoc in all three brands. She entertained and she became a fan favourite. My favourite. She's a 15-time champion. She was featured in all six rumbles. She came back to her home turf on the black and gold brand and was killing it. And I think it's time we take stock, relish in what Dana has achieved in her 10 years and stay with her on a journey to whatever comes next. I did get you all involved over on Twitter this week. I asked you all three questions and the results are in. I asked who was your favourite tag team partner of Dana? Where did you want to see Dana go in NXT? And where did you want to see Dana after her release? The results were Emma is the favourite tag partner. Now, I have to agree, they should have been women's tag team champions on this last run. Um, you wanted to see Tiffany and Dana feud for the title. And I wanted that too. I really hoped to see Dana tick a singles major championship off a list, but sadly it wasn't meant to be. And the majority voted for Impact as Dana's next stop. Great minds, guys. Great minds. I know many of you enjoyed Dana's journey and I hope you enjoyed this recap. I just want to leave it on this note. Dana was the reason I tuned in to main event each week, into Raw when she was the champion. She brought comedy and entertainment in droves and her gear, well, she nailed it. Dana fulfilled a lot in her career. The only thing missing was a credible major title in the women's division. I'm just glad her career with WWE has ended on a high. She shines bright like a star and I just I just know that there's companies out there desperate to bag this diamond. So I can confidently say this, this isn't the end. Well, that wraps up episode 5 or in total episode 16. Thank you again for streaming this content, this Dana Brooke celebration episode. It would help hugely if you could hit the like or subscribe buttons to make sure you never miss another episode. And also drop a rating and a review. It keeps us in the charts and can serve to offer recommendations to newer fans of the podcast world. As always, the DMs are open. Find me on Twitter at Slee underscore Ryan. This podcast is available on Spotify, Spotify for Podcasters, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts too. If any wrestling promotion wants to hire me for any sort of work, especially ring announcing, man, I'll do the gig for free. I'm declaring myself ready. I stay ready. I'll see you next time for the mid-season episode number six. I've been your host and this has been They Made Their Way to the Ring. Ding, ding, ding.